Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. We've got a lot to get to, and we're going to start it off by talking about J.R. Smith because the Lakers are finalizing a deal to sign him. This, of course, coming after Avery Bradley's announcement that he will not be coming to Orlando. And this is a good deal. First of all, it's somebody who brings championship experience. He's comfortable and familiar with LeBron, and he can shoot the basketball. What J.R. Smith does, what the J.R. Smith signing does for this Lakers team is it opens up the floor immensely. I mean, look, you already have Danny Green. You already have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And even Dion Waiters, when he's on, he's, I mean, he's hot. Add J.R. Smith to those three, and LeBron has a wide open lane to deal with. And then there's also the opportunity for a lot more passes to Anthony Davis on cuts, lobs, whatever. I mean, guys are going to have to stay home on their perimeter shooters. Like, defenders are going to have to stick to them. They can't play. They can't really play health defense because you leave to double LeBron when he's driving or leave to double AD when he's cutting. Then you leave those three shooters open. They are going to knock shots down. It just makes them that much more difficult to defend. So, I think although losing Avery Bradley hurts a lot... I think it's a good move. J.R. Smith is not the defender that Avery Bradley is, but Avery Bradley is also not the shooter that J.R. Smith is, so it's kind of an interesting trade-off. More info on the return of the league. First of all, it's, it is official. The NBA and NBPA finalized the plan. Many players, however, are hesitant on the whole bubble scenario, the whole return thing, for a multitude of reasons, health concerns, safety concerns, we all know what Kyrie is scared of. He and Dwight Howard, at least those t- those were the two that were outspoken about it. They both think the NBA should not come back right now because it would be detrimental to the focus on racism and social dis- justice reform. Dwight Howard said, quote, I agree with Kyrie. Basketball or entertainment period isn't needed at this moment, and it will only be a distraction. Sure, it might not distract us, the players, but we have resources at hand majority of our community do- uh, doesn't have. And the smallest distraction for them can start a trickle-down effect that may never stop. Especially with the way the climate is right now, I would love nothing more than to win my very first NBA championship. But the unity of my people would be in an even bigger championship, and that's just too beautiful to pass up. And you know what? Kyrie can do whatever he wants. He's not going to Orlando. He's done for the season. He's injured. He's. I mean, that's fine. But... For the players that are healthy and planning on coming to Orlando, I think they should show up and play. What Kyrie said basically is giving everyone and all the play- all the players that agree with him, because it's more than Kyrie and Dwight. There's plenty of other players who agree with them. They're just not as outspoken about it. It's an excuse not to show up to work. And I'm kind of going along with what Stephen A. Smith said in his reaction to this. All this stuff, this racial inequality, racial oppression, has been going on for centuries, but the people in the past didn't use it as as an excuse to not show up to work. They always did their job. You can still fight this fight while doing your job. I think returning and playing in, in that bubble scenario will, in fact, increase helping this because 
the player if the players use their platform correctly, because more more eyes will be on the NBA now than ever before, with it being gone for so long, and the new format, and because no fans can show up in person, I expect this to be the most watched part of a season and postseason in history, just because of the situation. You are going to have a huge huge online viewing audience so if you use this time correctly and address it the way it should be addressed then maybe this is good for the social justice reform and again i don't care what Kyrie does or thinks at this point because he's free to do whatever he wants since he's not going to the restart anyway but for the guys who are torn about this who may have been planning on playing but also want to help the reform you can do both show up to orlando play for the fans make a run well you're not playing for the fans in person you're playing for the fans who are watching on TV and stuff. But make a run for the title and raise awareness. It's the best thing we can do right now. We have some news on various players around the league. Some players have decided not to go to the NBA restart due to health concerns. Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards has health concerns. Not coronavirus-related, injury-related. He's about to be a free agent. And he has had a great season this year 16 points per game 42 percent shooting from behind the arc made it to the finals in the three-point contest i believe on all-star weekend and he's had two acl injuries in the past so he doesn't want to chance anything especially with the wizards title chances looking (laughs) relatively slim avery bradley is not coming back due to family health concerns that's a big blow to the lakers on the defensive end but they picked up jr smith And while it is a downgrade on perimeter defense, which is something the Lakers need, it is an upgrade in shooting, which the Lakers also need. So it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see what it does for them. Trevor Ariza from the Portland Trailblazers is not returning due to, he had been involved in a custody case, according to Woj, over his 12-year-old son and mother's choice of granting a court-ordered one-month visitation period made Ariza choose between seeing his son and playing, to which he chose the former. The Nets' Wilson Chandler, he wants to spend more time with his family, and the Mavericks' Willie Cauley-Stein. In other news, Nuggets star Nikola Jokic has been diagnosed with COVID-19, causing the Nuggets to close their practice facility testing began recently he's certainly not the only positive test he's asymptomatic though should be ready for when the league returns but we don't know for sure malcolm brogdon also tested positive just five percent 5.3 percent of players well that was as of the first round of testing tested positive for the coronavirus a total of 16 out of 302 players tested and that's pretty good however spencer dinwiddie and deandre jordan both play who play for the Brooklyn Nets both tested positive causing DeAndre to decide not to come and Spencer is kind of on the fence right now he's 50 50 so the Nets are going to be possibly probably without Kyrie KD DeAndre Jordan their three best players Spencer Dinwiddie okay they're top four players now Nicholas Claxton I believe the rookie is not going to show up either and Wilson Chandler so that's six guys you're going to have to I mean that team is going to look a lot different I just, I just want to see them. I don't want to, I don't want to see, I don't want to have anything to do with them this year. I want to see them next year when everybody's healthy. That team is a championship contender when you put Kyrie and KD healthy together on the court with DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, all those guys, Jared Allen. 
<sighs> Vince Carter has officially announced his retirement. On the Ringers Winging It with Vince Carter podcast, he said he is, quote, officially done playing basketball professionally. And we knew this was coming. He said this when he signed a one-year deal with the Hawks last summer. He said that this would be his final year. Although part of me still held out hope because his career was cut short by 15 games with the season being suspended. And since the Hawks were so bad, they were 20 and 47, they did not get an invite to Orlando. So Carter's last game came on March 11th, the night the NBA was suspended. And it was a home game for the Hawks against the Knicks. They lost 136 to 131 in overtime. But after a crafty little over-the-head reverse layup with about three and a half minutes to go in the third, he checked in one final time in overtime, came right down the court and knocked down a three with 12.6 seconds to go. Now it was meaningless. It cut the lead from 8-5 to five in the Knicks dribble without the rest of the clock. But let's be honest, neither of those teams cared who won. But either way, it was still a cool moment. Unfortunately, not a lot of people saw it. You, you, if you were watching basketball that night, it was probably the national TV game between the Nuggets and the Mavericks at that time. But yes, that game was not on national TV. It wasn't advertised as Carter's last game because nobody knew it would be. So unfortunately, his career end snuck up on us. But at least he made the last shot. That was a cool moment for Vince. As far as his accolades go, he was an eight-time NBA All-Star. All-NBA second team in 2001. All-NBA third team the year before in 2000. The year before that, he was the Rookie of the Year. All-Rookie first team. And the slam dunk champion, as we all know, that iconic dunk contest in 2000. Congratulations to Vince Carter for finishing a terrific Hall of Fame career. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer in my eyes. There's been debate, but really unnecessarily. Sure, his list of accolades aren't as spectacular as others, but what he did for the game, the entertainment value he brought, what he did for Canadian basketball. I mean, you saw how big it is up there now. The Raptors literally won the NBA championship last year. And they're doing great again this year, despite losing Kawhi. I mean, Toronto has become a basketball hotspot, largely because of him. Now, I'm not saying it's the mecca of basketball or anything. But it is big up there, thanks to what Vince Carter did playing for the Raptors. So congrats again, Vince, on a Hall of Fame career and best of luck in retirement. All right, this is something that I want to get to. So I was reading... A book. It's called Basketball, A Love Story, and it's by Jackie McMullen, Rafe Bartholomew, and Dan Cloris. Which, by the way, great book, great read. You can watch the documentary of it. It's not, yeah, it's, it's a, it is a documentary. There's a, like a hundred different episodes of it. It's on the ESPN app. It does require ESPN Plus, however. But they sit, the those three sit down with so many old and current legends from all areas of the game and interview them. And it's really intriguing. And I was reading about the old Olympic teams, the history of Team USA and the Olympics, and Oscar Robertson was talking about how great the 1960 Olympic team was. And he said something that really caught my attention. Here it is. He said, quote, the 60 Olympics, I think we are sort of misplaced by the Olympic Committee, by the ESPNs, by the HBOs, and all those others when they start talking about great teams. The Dream Team had future Hall of Famers. So did this team. I don't understand how they say that the Dream Team were the greatest ever. All they did was play one-on-one basketball. There wasn't even any resistance in a lot of games they played. They wouldn't beat us. What? 
He really said that the dream team from 1992, yes, the one with Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, just to name three of them, would not beat the 1960 Olympic team. Okay, let's start with the roster comparison. For the 1960 team, it included, and I want you to count how many of these names you recognize. Now, yes, they're old. They're very, very old. And they were probably very talented basketball players at that time. But the 1960 team included Jay Arnett, Walt Bellamy, Bob Boozer, Terry Deschinger, Burnett Halderson, Daryl Imhoff, Alan Kelly, Jerry Lucas, Oscar Robertson, Adrian Smith, and Jerry West. The head coach was Pete Newell. As we know, the Dream Team had Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Scottie Pippen, Clyde Drexler, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Chris Mullen, Charles Barkley, Christian Leitner, and the head coach was Chuck Daly. By names alone, by just the names alone, you would say that the Dream Team was better. Like, you just have to listen to the names of the people on the roster and you'd know that Dream Team is better. And to his point about Hall of Famers, every single player on that team besides Leitner is in the Basketball Hall of Fame for their individual careers. That team is in the Hall of Fame. Both teams are in the Hall of Fame, which means Leitner and all the guys on the 60 team are technically in the Hall of Fame, but not for their individual careers. The Dream Team, in terms of individual Hall of Famers, had 11 of them. 11 of the 12 people on the roster were Hall of Famers. And Christian Leitner had a pretty solid NBA career as well. You know, he wasn't a legend like he is in college. And then the 1960 team had four. Walt Bellamy, Jeremy Lucas, Oscar, and Jerry West. Like, what is this dude thinking? Now, to his point about how the Dream Team played just one-on-one basketball, I don't believe that. They averaged 29, almost 30 30 assists per game. Oscar's team, I looked for the stats, but they didn't have those. The only recorded stats I could find were the point-per-game averages. But no, this team did not just play one-on-one basketball. And then he was talking about how there wasn't even any resistance. That's... Because they were so freaking good. That's how good they were. It was There was no resistance. I mean, it, it's not like... I mean, some of them were just crap teams. But... I mean... <laughs> they didn't have resistance because they were that good. Like, maybe the 60 team had resistance because they weren't as feared or talented. That dream team struck fear into every single one of their opponents simply because of their names and the fact that they were all on one team. Forget about the offensive and defensive scheme or how they played. Just the names of the players alone on that team intimidated and deflated opponents before the games even started. So yeah, I do not agree with that either, Oscar. And no, you're not beating the dream team. You're just not. I'd put that team against any team in basketball history, college, NBA, Olympic, overseas. You name it, (laughs) that team would never lose. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, in 1969, 
Bill Russell announced his retirement from the Boston Celtics after 13 years in the NBA that included 11 championships. 11 championships in 13 career seasons played? That's an 84% championship rate for his career. He won a championship in 84% of the seasons he played. That's insane. Happy birthday to Trevor Ariza and Damian Jones. And we will be back whenever, hopefully next week with a new podcast.